Bang 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 Mr. Sandman Bring me a dream Bang 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 Make him the cutest that I'd ever see Bang 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 Give him two lips like roses and clover Bang 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 Then tell him that his lonesome nights are over Sandman I'm so alone. Bang 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 bang. Don't have nobody to call my own. Bang 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 bang. Please turn on your magic beam, Mr. Sandman. Bring me a dream. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What's up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning in to Sub Media Reviews. I'm your host, Kiara, and I'm really excited to share my review of the amazing 1989 film, Uncle Buck. The movie features John Candy as Buck Russell, Jean Louisa Kelly as Tia Russell, Macaulay Culkin as Miles Russell, and Gabby Hoffman as Maisie Russell. I was introduced to this movie by my father, and I loved it so much that I bought the DVD. <laughs> this movie is a classic to me, and I'm really excited excited to dive in. So before we get into it, here are a few fun facts about the movie. The first fun fact is that the noise that Buck's car makes when it backfires is that of a gunshot and a firecracker. The second fun fact is that John Goodman was considered for the role of Uncle Buck. He would later go on to play Fred Flintstone in The Flintstones in 1994, a role for which John Candy was also up. As The Flintstones the original Flintstones from the 1960s was his favorite cartoon. Sadly, John Candy's premature death in 1994 prevented him from fulfilling the role of Fred Flintstone. So personally, I don't think John Goodman would have been as good as John Candy in Uncle Buck. So I'm glad things kind of worked out that way. And the last fun fact is that this is the highest grossing film outside of the Home Alone franchise to feature Macaulay Culkin. Both this film and the first three Home Alone films were all written and produced by John Hughes. If you want to check out Uncle Buck, you can watch it on Netflix as of the recording of this episode. So when it comes to my personal connection to Uncle Buck, again, my dad introduced it to me. He is a lover of classic like 80s films. So his recommendations are usually pretty good. I really like John Candy. And even though he passed away when I was only like four years old, and I didn't get to like fully experience him while he was in his prime. His death like low-key saddens me because I feel like he's like was a really funny guy, a good actor, and how much I love this movie. So I'm a fan of his. Also, who doesn't love a fun uncle? I mean, the pancake scene in this movie is one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema. 
the scene where he tells off the principal, we'll get into those things. He's protective and he's persistent, even though he's a screw up. Like I said, he's a fun uncle and the shenanigans are endless and I really love it. And it's a movie that I put on every once in a while. I rewatch it maybe once or twice a year when I kind of get in the mood. And it's a nice thing to just kind of have on in the background and, you know, redo the whole laughs and all of the magic of what it means to like hang out with your fun screw up uncle. So I'm really excited to share my perspective on this movie. So let's get into it. So in the opening scene of the movie, we see a teen girl in a nice neighborhood opening the door to her family's large suburban home. It's a really lovely house, two stories, white, nice little archway over the sidewalk leading up to the house. So this family has a little bit of money, okay? So a small school bus drops off a little girl and a young Macaulay Culkin is kind of skulking around in the backyard of the house. It's after school on a weekday and the kids are coming home, you know, and the oldest sister is basically in charge of kind of watching over them until their parents get home. The kids are obviously siblings. The oldest child is Tia and she is 15 years old. We learn that way later in the movie. Macaulay Culkin is the middle child. He's a boy. They don't say how old he is, but he does have a birthday in the movie. And I don't know that they ever told us how old he was turning. I would say he was probably nine or 10. And then there's a little sister named Maisie who is small and maybe a first grader, maybe six, maybe even a little bit younger. So yeah, we have these three siblings there. They get into their little sibling banter, you know, making fun of each other and saying inappropriate comments and cursing and all that kind of stuff. We find out that their family just moved from Indianapolis for better work opportunities. I believe this movie takes place in Chicago. So Miles, who is played by Macaulay Culkin, we find out he's being bullied at school. And I find that these kids are low-key kind of bad, <laughs> but that's okay. The older sister, Tia, manhandles Miles for talking back to her. And then the little sister, Maisie, is going to snitch because Tia said the S word. We see there's a little bit of like a latchkey situation. And I'm wondering, like, do high schools like still let out early so they can be home in time to receive their younger siblings. I'm assuming that's still a thing, but basically, yeah, Tia was in charge of opening the door so that she could receive her younger siblings. And she's just like a moody teenager who's not very happy that they're living in a new town and she has to make new friends and that her parents are always working and that she's responsible for her younger siblings. And in a lot of ways, I can identify with that. I am the oldest child. I have six brothers and sisters sisters. Only three of them lived with me in like my primary household. And I did have like a number of responsibilities and I was a very moody teenager. So I could see myself in Tia on that front. But later on in the movie, when she starts to do some crazy stuff, like, yeah, I don't see myself in her anymore. So <laughs> that's really the end of our similarities. We also see that they have a really cute dog named Percy who's hanging out in the dryer for some reason. He is a Briard and I love him and I want one. He's so cute. And I know I'm saying that wrong because there's a French pronunciation, but I'm not even going to attempt it. Okay. So it's dinner time with the family. The 
parents are home eating with the kids and they're eating Chinese takeout. So we're beginning to see that the parents, Cindy and Bob, are kind of out of touch with what's happening with their kids. Work and being in a new town has kind of got the best of them. And, you know, Tia, the oldest daughter, is mocking her mother for not making a home cooked meal. And, you know, Cindy, the mom, doesn't know that Miles' hockey season ended already. And Tia is just kind of resentful of her mother and I guess feels like she's outsourcing her motherly duties. So her mom, though, is like sick of her stank attitude. So (laughs) things aren't really going well in the family. Things are pretty awkward at the dinner table. So we flip to a new scene and we meet Uncle Buck. So Buck and his girlfriend Shanice are having dinner at a pub. I want to stop here and say that I have never met a white lady named Shanice. (laughs) This lady is the only white Shanice in the history of Shanice's, okay? If you know a white Shanice, like tag them in this because I have never seen a white Shanice before. It's a very black name in my experience. So Buck and his girlfriend Shanice are eating dinner at a pub and they have their own set of problems. We find out that Buck is kind of like resentful of the fact that he has accepted a job to work for Shanice and his pride's a little bit hurt. But Shanice is like, I need you to come to work because we need stability. I want to be married. I want to have children before my lady parts disintegrate. And Buck really isn't taking it seriously. He's making jokes and he's coming across as like a man child. He obviously values his freedom. And even though he's old AF, like I believe he's 40 in this movie, if I remember correctly, he like doesn't want to grow up. Okay, he's a Toys R Us kid. So Shanice has to continually ask him, are you coming to work tomorrow? Are you coming to work tomorrow? Are you coming to work tomorrow? So this is showing already that in addition to being a man child and not being ready to grow up or get married and have kids, that he's also proving to be unreliable as well. So he can't really hold down a job. And y'all, that's one of the worst types of boyfriends, okay? Your boyfriend can't hold down a job. It's like one of the most frustrating things ever. <laughs> So yeah, in the next scene, we see that Cindy and Bob get a call around midnight from Cindy's aunt. We find out that Cindy's dad had a heart attack and now they have to figure out who's going to watch the kids while Cindy and Bob go back to Indianapolis to be with her ailing father. So I want to stop right now and say that the house that they live in is amazing. I really like their house. Their house is just beautiful. It's like two stories, lots of bedrooms, lots of space. It has like a nice kitchen, even though this is like a late 1980s house, and a really nice house at that. I just really love it. Like even now, I'm more of like a modern kind of contemporary kind of girl when it comes to like the styles of houses that I like. But something about this 1989 house is just lovely. I just really enjoy it and like wouldn't mind living there. Maybe update the decor a little bit, but it's super nice. Okay. You all let me know, is there a favorite house that you enjoy from a movie or a sitcom that you were like, you know what? I wouldn't mind living there. Let me know in the comments. So Cindy and Bob, again are trying to figure out who's going to watch the kids. They start thinking about if neighbors can watch their kids and Cindy starts to kind of wonder if it was a bad idea that they moved away from their family back in Indianapolis. She's experiencing some guilt around that, not just from like the fact that she's not close by to be there for her father during his heart attack, but also because of like the guilt that she's experiencing from having moved her family 
you know, Tia especially is kind of giving her a hard time about that. And I want to say for whatever reason, Tia is like, has all the smoke for her mama and like none of the smoke for her dad, as if her dad was not a major part of the decision for them, or at least 50% of the decision of why they moved away from Indianapolis. So I think it's just one of those things with mothers and daughters, I guess. But Bob actually suggests his brother Buck and Cindy isn't having it. She basically says he doesn't have children. He's not married. He doesn't have a job. He hangs out with a bad crowd and he's probably a bad influence. And we also find out that he's a gambler and his preferred venue of gambling is horse racing. So they have to try other options because Buck, like when it comes to things that you don't want around your children, he checks off. (laughs) all the check boxes. And so they try to explore other options. And then an angry teenage Tia asks her mom if they're all going to Indianapolis. And then Cindy says like, no, just me and your dad are going. You all are going to stay here. Tia is upset, obviously. And she says something really mean. And she basically says like, if my daughter moved away my grandkids, I would have a heart attack too. And it's just to make her mom feel even more guilty about moving them away from their family and their home base in Indianapolis, which I thought was extra cruel. But that is part of who Tia is for most of this movie. So Yeah, the Nevilles, who were some neighbors, were basically the last hope for watching the kids, but they're actually out of town. And Miles, played by Macaulay Culkin, doesn't like the Nevilles because their dog is a ball sniffer. (laughs) And Mr. Neville actually enables that behavior. (laughs) So I thought that was very funny. And his parents were like, hey, don't say balls. And he was like, what's the proper term? And then he was like... (laughs) which I don't know if balls or nuts are better. They're both pretty funny. But these kids are know some stuff. They've been around and it's surprising to me that they haven't been around their Uncle Buck with this type of behavior. But anyways, now that they know that the Nevilles are out of town, they really don't have a choice. The only person that they can call on such short notice is Uncle Buck. And so Bob calls his brother Buck, who really is a hot mess and he's coughing everywhere. And he uses the clapper to turn on all the lights in his building. He lives in an apartment building. <laughs> and I don't know how the clapper worked. It's a piece of old technology that was like really kitschy or whatever but I don't know how it works like did you plug it in and I don't know I actually have never used one or seen one besides tv but the way it was set up is that when he clapped basically every light in the building came on which I thought was kind of funny so we find out that Buck is really a big screw up. Not only does he not have a wife or kids or not ready to settle down, he also burned down his brother's bushes before. (laughs) He's just like a big screw up. So Buck agrees to watch the kids and he is heading their way. Buck is packing up and his apartment is a hot mess. It's covered in posters and baseball stuff. appears to be like a tiny studio with a really disorganized closet. And so when he tries to get his bag, all the stuff falls on him. It's a cute, funny scene, you know, late 80s funny scene. And Buck calls Shanice to let her know what's going on. And we only hear his side of the conversation, but he can't get a phrase out. That was pretty funny because you know that Shanice was telling him off. So every time she probably took a pause, he was trying to say something and she wasn't having it. So he was like, what, 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 what
<laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. So she basically kind of ends the call and is really disappointed because she asked him over and over, are you going to be there tomorrow? And so, you know, this is just another excuse for Buck to not do what he says he's going to do. And Shanice is losing patience, you know, because her eggs are drying up. <laughs> I don't know why people treat older women as if their usefulness just goes out of the window after 35 or whatever. It just, you know, we have more uses than just making babies. But anyways, as Buck is driving to Chicago, we find out that he hasn't seen the kids in a long time. He hasn't been around his family. So I'm guessing, you know, when you're the family screw up, you don't get invited to the events anymore. So he doesn't know the names of the two youngest kids. He doesn't know how old they are. So we find out at this point that Buck is 40 and that's like way too old to not have his life more together. So Buck arrives at the house and he's actually at the wrong house, like across the street from Cindy and Bob's. So he's at the house and nobody's answered the door. So he's like yelling at 2 a.m. like, hey, open the door. And he's like waking up all the dogs and disturbing everyone in the neighborhood. And Bob has to go and get him. And Buck is just still yelling. And it's like, he ain't got no cooth. Like he's just very crude and... <laughs> Like he just messes everything up. And so Bob finally gets him in the house so he can stop disturbing this nice neighborhood. Also, Buck has a car that is kind of a character in the movie. Y'all, I don't even know how to pronounce the name of this car. Okay. <laughs> Uncle Buck has a Mercury Marquis Broham. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last word right, but he calls it the Beast and it is a old old car that could use some work and also has like a really nasty loud backfire that is a theme that recurs in the movie that is actually pretty funny so inside the house cindy wants to leave buck some checks for expenses but he's like oh i have plenty of money just reimburse me at the end and he's like oh do you think i'll have problems cashing an out-of-state check and it's like buck why don't you just take the checks in the first place why do you have to try to make cindy think that you're more or have more than what she thinks you are she has the lowest opinion of you okay it can't get no lower okay then he starts asking her random questions like hey do you have a plunger because like i've been super into cheese lately and it just like messes me up <laughs> and it's like why are you talking to your sister-in-law about the state of her plumbing because of your bowels like it's just too much we find out that miles has a birthday coming up but cindy believes that they'll be back in time to celebrate it so buck takes the checks and he puts them in his jacket pocket and the parents head out and tia kind of sneaks out of bed to kind of see what's going on. So Buck starts to explore the house a little bit. He's never been to this house before. And so he is like playing the piano a little bit. He breaks one of like the plates that's on display. Like it's, a, I guess like a China type of plate. Yeah, so Uncle Buck, like I said, is just like a little bit of a screw up, but he's there to help take care of the kids that he really does not know. And sometimes when you're family, you just got to pitch in where you can. So the fact that he doesn't have a job actually comes in a little bit handy. So it's the next morning and the kids meet their uncle. He's playing some music and he's putting mustard and other sauces on top of like a huge breakfast. It's some type of like eggs, probably with potatoes and onions and stuff. 
And so Tia comes downstairs and she basically ignores her uncle and grabs a cup of coffee, but she winces at the taste of the coffee. So you can tell that she's drinking it to impress him, even though she says otherwise. She's trying to come off as more responsible and more of an adult than she actually is. She refuses to eat his breakfast and Buck confronts her about being a butthole, <laughs> which is a little bit refreshing. And Miles comes downstairs and and is surprised to beat his uncle that he does not remember. So Miles doesn't want the breakfast either because there's onions in the eggs. And Tia goes upstairs to check on the youngest girl, Maisie. And Buck and Tia do this little stare down thing. And this is the beginning of them not having a good relationship with each other. And this is basically going to be like a major issue throughout the movie. Tia is brushing her little sister Maisie's hair. And Maisie doesn't even realize that her parents are gone. She slept through everything. So so I guess she was surprised to see her Uncle Buck too. So Miles and Uncle Buck have like a cute, fast paced conversation where Miles is interrogating his uncle just to kind of learn more about him. It's really cute. So yeah, it's time for school. So Buck takes the kids, all of them, in his loud, old, ugly car to school. And the first person to be dropped off, of course, is Tia. And the car has like a lot of white smoke coming from the muffler. And then the backfire scares like all the kids who are outside of the school. <laughs> It sounds like somebody is shooting a gun and it like blows up one kid's face. So Tia is really embarrassed that she's pulling up to school and like a hug of junk. And she says, I'm going to get a ride home. So don't worry about picking me up. And he says, if you stand me up today, I'm going to come with you to school tomorrow in my pajamas and I'm going to walk you to class. I'll be here at 4 p.m. So Uncle Buck does not have time for this snark. And I kind of like his approach it's no nonsense, but it's not overly cruel. And there's actually something kind of like funny and endearing about it. And her siblings who are in the back seat like that he's not taking any of her crap. So the younger kids really seem to enjoy Uncle Buck and they're taking to him way better than Tia is. So Buck calls Shanice. The kids are at school, so he's at the house by himself. And Shanice is just kind of over it, okay? She's like, Buck, you haven't been reliable in eight years. Now you want to play daddy to your nibblings. And you guys, I recently learned that the collective term for nieces and nephews is nibblings. So you may hear me say that a few times because it's easier than saying nieces and nephews. So she basically says like, because you didn't come to work today, I have to fill the position. And Buck gives her like a really non-committal answer of like, oh, you know, go ahead and fill the position and I'll think about it or whatever, whatever. And you know, it's just another instance of him not being reliable and Shanice knowing that she can't really count on him. So she ends the call. And while the kids are at school, Buck is just chilling with the dog and using the vacuum to suck up crumbs on his shirt. And we flip to Miles, who's in the cafeteria of his school, pulling out the lunch that Uncle Buck packed for him. This is the weirdest lunch I have ever seen. There's like an old cucumber, a mason jar full of milk, a budding potato, sardines, a sandwich. We don't know what's on the sandwich. And then something round in a bag with liquid. I have no idea what it is. It looked like a pickled tomato, but, <laughs> but those don't come in bags, I don't think. So I don't know what the deal was. None of the kids want to trade, you know, lunch items with him. So one of the things that we see is that Buck is going through like the wedding album, the picture 
album of Cindy's and Bob's wedding. And he sees that he's been like folded out of his brother's wedding photo. I know that he's screw up, but to fold a picture over it so he doesn't appear in your wedding photo is like a lot. Like how bad is it? That he can't even be, you don't even want him in your wedding photo and he was there. Like, that's pretty bad. So now it's time to pick up Tia from school. And Tia's making out with a boy when Uncle Buck comes to pick her up. So the boyfriend, whose name is Bug, tries to make a joke about him getting a tune-up for that crazy backfire noise. And Buck says like, hey, if you gnaw on her face like that in public again, I'm going to do a ritual killing on you. <laughs> His threats to this kid are some of the funniest and I don't condone violence or even threatening violence, but in the context of a comedy film where an uncle is trying to protect his underage niece, it feels a little bit more appropriate. Okay. So Tia, of course, is mad because her uncle's not being cool about her making out with a boy at school and Buck is just trying to be protective. So... Yeah, what's with the ugly nicknames? Bug, what kind of nickname is that? That's a late 80s nickname. So it's the first full night of Uncle Buck watching the kids and Miles is washing the dishes. Buck is upstairs trying to resist Maisie's request to sleep in the bed with him. But Cindy, the mom, calls to check on the kids and Miles says that like he's busting his hump so he can get some hair on his chest, according to Uncle Buck, by doing some chores. Tia picked up the other line to listen in. And so when Miles leaves to go get Uncle Buck, Tia chimes in to express her disdain on being left with her uncle. And so Cindy is like, you just do your own thing. Let him do his own thing. And then Tia starts lying. And like I said, this is kind of where the similarities end. Also, the making out with a boyfriend in front of your uncle. I never did that either. So... <laughs> But she starts lying and saying that he left the two younger kids alone and that he drinks. Neither of those things is actually true. Buck, while he's on his way to pick up the phone, tells the kid a story that makes them start brushing their teeth at night. Something about like having a friend in the crime lab that can check if they actually brush their teeth instead of just running water over it. And so the kids are freaking out like, oh, dang, like if that's true, we're going to be in trouble. We got to start brushing our teeth. So I think that's just really cute. Like, being able to tell those little stories to get kids to do what you want them to do, like old wives tales. So Buck finally gets on the phone and we hear that Cindy's dad, who had the heart attack, is actually getting better. Buck asks some coded questions about the plate that he broke and how to replace it. He also asks about how often the dog eats and what he drinks. And Cindy is like, obviously he eats once a day and obviously we leave a bowl of water for him. Like, what are you talking about? And Uncle Buck is like, oh, I've been leaving the toilet seat up. And Cindy is like, no, like we have blue toilet water that's not good for him. And Uncle Buck is like, oh, you know, that explains the weird discolored poops on the lawn. <laughs> Cindy obviously is not happy, but again, Uncle Buck is her last option. So it's not much she can do. 
So now it is bedtime. Buck is in bed and with him are Miles and Maisie. And he's just so uncomfortable and has no cover. This little scene is so cute where he keeps falling out of the bed. And so he finally gets to sleep on the floor. But then the dog wakes up and then Miles wakes up and then Maisie wakes up to join him on the floor. It's really cute. They have really taken to their uncle and then they all get back in the bed. So just a nice little scene of, you know, little kids being kind of afraid to sleep by themselves. So it is the next day and some weird lady comes into the house without really knocking. And it's Marcy who is played by Laura Metcalf from Roseanne. So Buck is trying to open the washing machine, but it sounds like he's being nasty with the lady friend. He's saying things like, I'm going to shove my load into you, which is <laughs> quite inappropriate. But the lady, Marcy, is spying on Buck because she does not recognize his voice. She doesn't know what he's doing. It sounds like something sexual is going on. And she is like spying on him through the laundry room door until like the dog licks her butt. <laughs> It's very weird. So she screams and Buck is alerted to her presence. And so she pulls out a can of mace to interrogate him. It's very interesting considering how you broke into these people's houses. Like, I understand that you thought maybe a crime was being committed, but if you committed a crime to witness a crime being committed, I don't know if you have a bunch of ground to stand on neighbor or not. But Buck explains who he is. And we learn that she lives across the street and is newly single or recently divorced. And she invites Buck to lunch, but he's like, mm, I'm only going to be here a few days because, you know, Cindy's dad had a heart attack. And Marcy was like, when my dad had a heart attack, I was out of town for three weeks, okay? And I'm assuming dad's having heart attacks just happens in the late 80s, I guess. I don't know. It's a staple in the community. And Buck is realizing that he's actually going to be there a little bit longer than he expected. So it's that night, and Tia is waiting expectantly by the window, and Miles asks her if she's waiting for her sex. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. It's funny when children are learning to use new words and how they don't say them right. It's just very, it's hilarious. Like when kids curse or something, but Buck is wearing a bowling shirt and he asked Tia to join them at the bowling alley because you can't get pregnant while bowling. And so she does her moody teenager thing, but she finally is convinced to join them when he threatens to shave her head while she's asleep. So they're at the bowling alley and like this older guy with a black eye and a cut lip goes to hit on Tia while the others are bowling. And he ends up stabbing himself while he's twirling a toothpick in his mouth. It's actually really funny. I actually have like this weird like visceral reaction slash phobia around toothpicks. I can't chew them without getting nauseous. And even talking about it now, I'm getting a little nauseous. But just something about them makes me like get nauseous. Like I cannot chew a toothpick. I have to stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm getting nauseous. <laughs> but anyways, his name is Pal. And he assumes that Tia is a college student and he's pretty gross. And even though Tia is grossed out by him, she, I think, is a little flattered that he thinks that she's older. So he calls her firm, which is freaking gross. You call a 15-year-old girl firm. Again, he doesn't know that she's 15, but calling any woman firm is like a weird compliment. <laughs> I think it's an old school thing. 
if somebody ever called me firm, I would be like, am I a mattress? Like, what the heck are you talking about? And basically, he asks her if she wants to ride in his Bronco. Tia kind of ignores him. But y'all, I can say from experience that when you're like a teenage girl who may not look like a teenage girl, or even if you're a teenage girl who does look like a teenage girl, it is not like a compliment to be preyed upon by older men. It's just very creepy. Like, just don't do that. Okay. So Buck takes a break from teaching Maisie bowling to go over to Powell and tell him to get the heck out of there and come to find out Buck actually knows Powell. So this place is one of Buck's hangouts. So a different dude named E. Roger Coswell comes up to say hi to Buck and Tia is pretty rude to him. But then the guy starts rattling off details that Tia didn't know about Uncle Buck's life. So like about Shanice and how Buck won't marry her and he also says they need to go talk business. So they step away from Tia and they talk about some gambling situation. Like apparently there's a horse race that's coming up on Friday that's supposed to be fixed and a guy that owes them some money is going to give them the tip on like which horses to bet on or whatever. And the payout could be so big that it could pay for like their whole year. So Uncle Buck does not have a steady job but it it appears that he makes his living by gambling off of horse racing. So yeah, that's it. So Buck is intrigued and of course wants to take advantage of the opportunity. But for right now, he's hanging out with his nibblings. And that's that. Buck goes to sit down next to Tia and Tia asks about Shanice a little bit. And she's like, if you got married, maybe you wouldn't be such an a-hole. So still adversarial relationship. So it's the next day and my favorite part of the movie comes up where this man, Uncle Buck, makes a huge mega-sized pancake for Miles' birthday and he flips it over on this flat top that's like spread across all the burners on the stove. And I just love this so much. I would love a mega pancake for my breakfast, okay? For my birthday breakfast. So we see Miles and Maisie come down the stairs. Y'all, there are clothes everywhere. The house really is kind of disorganized. The house really isn't being cleaned very much, but Uncle Buck has decorated and there's confetti and decorations everywhere. And there's like a mega stick of butter on top of a giant stack of pancakes. This is like a hilarious and beautiful scene. I really love this scene. It's just the best, okay? So by now, we already see that Cindy and Bob didn't make it back in time for Miles' birthday. So they've already been gone longer than they planned. There's also breakfast sausage too. <laughs> a lot of breakfast sausage, a whole bunch. But Miles looks so happy. So I guess later on, there's a birthday party with like three other boys. And we see that Miles' mom hired a clown. So Pooter the Clown arrives in like a punch buggy that's decorated to look like a mouse or a wine up mouse a toy mouse and when he gets there uncle buck meets him at the door and yeah his name is pooter the clown and he's a little wasted but i felt bad for miles because the other kids at the party felt like they were too old for clowns anyway and i also don't like that they never really resolved this scene because uncle buck goes to talk to the clown and finds out that he was late out late and drinking the previous night and he is like you need to go and get out of here okay and the clown tries to sass him and uncle buck punches him twice and 
you know, the guy eventually gets out of there, but we never find out what happens at the rest of the party. Did the kids enjoy themselves? Like we have to remember that Miles is a new kid in town. So the fact that he had any kids as his birthday party is a miracle. But the fact that they were like, weren't into the clown is like a little bit sad. I'm mad that they didn't round that out at all, that we never found out what happened at the birthday party, but whatever. So it's nighttime again. And Tia is with a bug at some park of the pavilion in the woods. And, you know, he wants to go to the car with her. So we see that he's like pressuring her to have sex. Again, she's 15 and I understandably get her hesitation. She's obviously not ready and basically says as much. And Bug obviously wants sex. And Tia is like, oh, not there. <laughs> so we see Uncle Buck riding in the car with the two youngest kids on his way to go get her. Tia lied about her whereabouts, saying she was at a cheerleader's house. But Uncle Buck is just too smart for her. So when Bug is like, oh, if you don't want to, you know, get in the back seat of the car with me, you can get in the front seat and I can take you home. And so she's like, oh, I'm not ready to go home because she don't want to see Uncle Buck yet. So that means they were probably headed to the car to do what Bug wanted to do in the first place. But they hear Uncle Buck's car backfire and they meet him outside of the pavilion. So Buck says ice cream weird. He's like, oh, we were just on our way to get some ice cream. I don't like when people say ice cream. It's ice cream. Like just say ice cream. But he basically says like, you know, hey, Bug, have you heard of a hatchet? Like, you know what you know what that is like I have one in my trunk and I keep it but not to kill I keep it just to maim people and it's just sharp enough to circumcise a gnat and you know a gnat is a bug isn't that an interesting coincidence <laughs> and bug who's listening to all this hatchet talk and circumcision talk is getting really upset <laughs> by it and Buck goes to his car to actually show him the hatchet and he's just kind of over it. he's like Tia you just need to go with him and get the heck out of here okay Tia is playing it cool and basically vows to get revenge on Uncle Buck and so Tia gives Buck like a long kiss goodbye to kind of spite Uncle Buck so again she's still being resistant you know teenagers in this scene the youngest daughter, Maisie, is in the backseat of the car while Bug and Tia are making out. And Maisie says, I bet she's getting the tongue. <laughs> These kids are saying like the darndest things. So it's the next day and Uncle Buck gets called to the school for Maisie. A uh, wild thing about Tone Locust playing in the background and he's smoking a cigar in the school. But he goes to the bathroom to put out the cigar because he kind of realizes where he is. And all of the urinals are like really tiny and super low to the ground because this school is for really young kids. So he has to get on one knee to use the urinal, which is a pretty funny scene. So eventually Buck goes into the assistant principal's office where he meets Anita Hogarth and she has a big mole on her chin and Buck immediately talks about her mole in the weirdest way. It's so weird. I feel like people don't do comedy like this anymore. So he goes in and he introduces himself. <laughs> He says, hi, I'm Buck Melanoma, Molly Russell's wart. <laughs> and what he meant to say is that he's Buck Russell, Maisie Russell's uncle. But he's so caught up 
in seeing this lady's mole that he replaces a lot of the words in his sentence with things related to moles. <laughs> he says like melanoma head. I feel like people don't make jokes like that anymore. It's just very strange to me. It's still funny, but it's like odd because that's not the type of comedy people really do anymore. But anyway, we can tell the assistant principal is really no nonsense and she doesn't appreciate Uncle Buck like joking. So Anita says that Maisie is a bad egg and she calls her a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart and a jabber box. And she doesn't take anything seriously in her career as a student. And Buck is like the girl is six years old so Maisie is six which is about first grade and Buck begins to tell her off like who wants to hang out with a serious first grader like what are you talking about and we cut to Maisie telling a story in class about how her uncle had to microwave her socks because he couldn't get the GD washing machine to work and the teacher calls her a blasphemer because she curses. And I'm like, is this supposed to be a religious school? I mean, I understand not wanting children to curse, but calling her a blasphemer is, you know, a lot. But we cut back to Buck talking to the assistant principal. And he says, like, if you scowl at my niece or any other kid, I'm coming for you. And then he tells Anita to take this quarter, go downtown and have a rat and all that thing off your face. <laughs> And then he leaves like a boss. And then Wild Thing plays as he leaves. Again, one of my, probably my second favorite scene in this movie. Uncle Buck don't care. He's on some honey badger mess, right? And yeah, again, like who wants to mess around with like a serious six-year-old? Like who, who cares? It's nighttime, you all. And Shanice is at her house listening to a voicemail from Buck. And he talks about how much he misses her and how he misses the dimples on her buns and how they named her body parts. And Shanice, you know, it makes her smile. Buck is obviously charming enough to keep roping her in after eight years. And this voicemail works. And so Buck, <laughs> Buck hears this rowdy cat outside the house and Buck goes outside and like picks the cat up and he's like, how did you get outside? And he brings it in the house, forgetting that the Russells don't have a cat. He was like, hey, somebody let the cat outside. And Miles is like, we don't have a cat. What are you talking about? So Uncle Buck has to take the cat back outside and he releases it into the wild. And while he's out there, the kids lock him out of the house as a joke, which is really funny. And interestingly enough, Shanice calls right at that time. And Tia answers and she recognizes Shanice's name as Uncle Buck's girlfriend. And Tia very quickly pulls together a lie that gets Buck into some trouble. She says that Buck went out with Marcy, that nosy neighbor from earlier, and that they usually stay out late. So she's creating this idea that Buck not only is going out with somebody else, but that he has been going out with her. So Tia is exacting her revenge. Shanice decides not to leave a message and she's kind of stunned to hear this lie. So yeah, Tia's messing with his real life adult relationship. So it's the next day and we see that Uncle Buck has created the worst laundry routine ever. So earlier I was talking about how in the movie he was trying to get the washing machine to work and he was talking dirty to it and all that stuff. He was never able to 
open the laundry machine or the washing machine. Now, some of them actually have locks on them. I don't know what they were like in 1989. We just was never able to figure it out, but they all needed clothes to wear. But we see their clothes swinging on the ceiling fan to dry, their clothes in the oven, clothes in the microwave. And Marcy comes over and she is just really forward, like a newly divorced lady that's just really into like trying to get some anywhere she can. And she walks in the house again, like uninvited, unprompted or whatever, not knocking. And she's like, is there a big sexy guy in here? And Marcy is like, mm, you've been hanging out with these kids too long. You need some adult supervision. And again, very fortuitously, Shanice pulls up in a Bronco at the house right at this moment. So Marcy asks Buck to dance and she starts grinding on him with her thighs. Hilarious. That was very funny to me. The way she was dancing with him and he's dipping her and they bump heads. And it's just like a little silly scene. You can tell that Buck isn't really into her or into it but they don't hear the doorbell because of the music. And so Shanice walks into the unlocked door. Once again, somebody else walking into somebody else's house without knocking or gaining appropriate entry, I'll say. So Shanice walks in to see Buck dancing with Marcy and Buck finally sees Shanice. By this time, he's actually getting into the dancing and he knows he's been caught in a compromising position with the lady that Tia actually mentioned last night. So Shanice asks, oh, is this Marcy? Is this the girl you were with last night? And he was like, I didn't go out with nobody last night. And Shanice calls him a SOB and she speeds away in her Bronco and Buck is sad and tells Marcy. Marcy to leave, you know, he knows he's been caught and doesn't have, you know, a real explanation that at least Shanice will believe. So it's the night time and Buck tucks Maisie in and then Tia calls him over to her room and Tia wants to go out, but Buck is like, no, like do that on your parents' time. Okay. And she starts to argue with him, but he's not having it. He kind of walks away from her. And then she basically tells Buck that she's the one that messed with his life and ask him how he likes them apples. Like, it's not cool when somebody messes with your love life, is it? And these things are like, obviously different. Bug is your high school boyfriend who's pressuring you to have sex for the first time. Shanice and Buck have been together for eight years. They have time invested in this relationship and they love each other. And you just have puppy love. But, you know, when you're 15 years old and you think you're in love, you think you know everything. So... Yeah, I think she got what she wanted out of that experience. And also Buck is doing it out of protection and Tia is just doing it to be a butthole. So Buck starts drinking and he gives the dog some beer too. And Buck does this little monologue about how people used to envy his wifeless and childless and jobless life and how much freedom he had and how basically at this age, no one envies that anymore. So yeah, he's like, you know, it'll get better tomorrow. And he's, you know, always relished in the fact that he didn't have to grow up. And now that he's kind of like, has this feeling that he's lost Shanice, like maybe it wasn't worth it. So he says it's going to be better tomorrow because they're going to go to the track and win some money. So the next day is Friday. So it's Friday morning and the kids are starting to call their uncle UB for Uncle Buck. And so the two youngest run into Tia on the stairs and they're like, hey, UB just left to pick you up from school. So Tia apparently skipped school and played hooky 
and is getting in the car with Bug to leave the house. And she's like, hey, tell UB that he lost and that I'll see you all on Sunday. So it's Friday and she's like, hey, I'll be back on Sunday. So she's planning on being gone the whole weekend again. In this respect, I'm not like Tia. I was never that bold, really. So Uncle Buck heads back to the house when Tia stands him up. And this is bad for Uncle Buck because Tia promised to wash the kids on Friday night so he could go do his gambling thing at the racetrack. So now Buck is at a fork in the road. He has to figure out what's going to happen with the horse race gambling situation and what's going to happen with the two youngest kids. And he basically like has no choice but to take the kids to the race tech with him because that's the most appropriate choice. And so the kids tell him that Bug picked Tia up and that she planned on being gone all weekend. So Bug really is at a decision point. Okay. Do I go and rescue Tia from herself <laughs> and Bug? Or do I take two very small children to a den of gambling and lies and fixed horse races? So Buck makes the right decision. I mean, he can't be a bad influence and a bad decision maker his whole life, right? So Buck calls Shanice and sincerely asks her to watch the two youngest kids. And Shanice is like, oh, I know what's going on. You're trying to get me to watch the kids so you can go down and gamble at the racetrack because that Roger guy told me about the fixed horse race. So she obviously doesn't trust Buck, all right? But Buck is like, look, Tia is 15 years old. She left with some old weird boy and I need to go get her back because I'm really worried about her and I need to go and find her. So Shanice hears the sincerity in his voice and she agrees to help, but she's like, I'm over, like you and I are over with. I'm agreeing to help you right now because of those kids, but like you and I, we not doing this. Okay. So Buck apologizes to her and he, he kind of easily figures out where the party is that Tia was supposed to be at. And so Shanice goes to the house. Buck was already gone. So I don't know how long the children, the two littlest ones were there, but poor Miles was so scared that he is waiting at the mail slot and is like peeking out of it to see if anybody's coming. It's a little, I guess, prequel to Home Alone. <laughs> he's literally home alone well he has his little sister there but he kind of imagines that three men are there at the mail slot with like his was pretty frightening to me when I saw it which of course would be frightening to a child but you know it's just his imagination getting the best of him so Shanice finally comes up and she's like hey I'm here to watch you guys and so Miles asks Shanice to take out her license to prove that it's her and she's mad about that and I thought that was pretty funny like these kids are a little wise beyond their years so now it's party time, you all. We're at the party house and we see they're flipping between scenes a little bit. So on one hand, we see Bug in a bedroom with like this curly haired girl at the party right as Uncle Buck pulls up. And so the car backfires, of course, and UB makes his way through the party looking for Tia and Bug. And like somebody steals his hat and then he reaches out to get the hat back. But then he puts a different hat on his head and we flip back to the scene with Bug and he's pulling down the girl's pants while she's saying like stop please buck has a beer as he's making his way through the party kind of asking hey has anybody see tia or bug and the kids are kind of like like who is this old man at this party and they're kind of you know ignoring him 
And they show that Bug is like actually getting a little rough with the girl in this room. We can't see her face. But you all, I'm not really keen on sexy teenager scenes. I don't like for underage or children that we are depicting as underage to be sexualized. And I feel like it makes people think that teenagers are having sex at higher rates than they actually are. But anyways, that's my own personal thing. But there's a knock on the bedroom door and Bug is like annoyed and he's like, hey, someone's in here. And obviously someone is trying to come in. And this long drill goes through the lock on the bedroom door and Uncle Buck enters with a cigar in his mouth and like a super long drill in his hand. And he's just like a big shadow. And so he flips on the light and it turns out that the resistant girl who was with Bug was not Tia. But Buck is happy to see that it's not Tia, but then he gets this weird kind of smile on his face because he's about to hem up Bug. He's like about to punish Bug because he can probably surmise what happened and why Tia isn't with him anymore. So Buck drives into town to see Tia just walking on the sidewalk. This is a pretty late at night. There's literally nobody around. Anything could have happened to her. But I guess this neighborhood is safe in 1989 based on the size of their house. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he stops the car and he gets hot and talks to her and she's really upset and she tells Uncle Buck like, you know, everything you said that was going to happen did happen. And earlier in the movie, he was telling her, oh, he only wants to use you for your body. And I used to be just like him, X, Y, and Z, whatever. And so she admits that Uncle Buck was right about him and everything that he said. And she's like, is this a trick? And he's like, no, it's no trick. And she's like, do you know what happened? And he's like, yeah, I do. I know what happened. And so they're driving and she's like, are you going to tell my parents about everything that's been going on? And Uncle Buck basically says no. He's like, you know, I've been writing you all week, but I wish someone would have been writing me about like my own personal life. And he asked her for a little bit of advice about Shanice, but then he never lets her answer. <laughs> I don't know what that was about, but he finally kind of admits that he's been stringing Shanice along and that, you know, he says that he loves his niece and his niece apologizes to him. And she's like, did you do something to Bug? And he's like, yeah. And they pull over. Bug is tied up in the trunk. That was a detail that I did not remember, which is hilarious. He's duct taping the trunk. And Uncle Buck makes him apologize. And he kind of yells an apology that's not doesn't really mean anything. And he's like, you know, I'm an amateur dentist while Tia is kind of worrying up the drill. And so, you know, once he gets the threat, <laughs> he sincerely apologizes and Uncle Buck helps him out of the trunk. And then they're preparing to leave and they drive away. But then Bug starts talking some noise and Uncle Buck comes back. And so Uncle Buck, who actually is also an avid golfer, takes out a golf club and a ball and uses the club to launch the ball at Bug and hit him in the head. And Bug is still talking noise as he's running away, but he finally gets out of there. And, you know, this is the revenge we take on Bug for being a freaking creep. So we're back at the house and Tia confesses to Shanice about lying. Turns out Uncle Buck has never told Shanice that he loved her in eight freaking years. Shanice, why you stay with this man? He ain't got no job. He ain't never told you he loved you. He don't want to get married. He don't want to have kids. 
I don't care how charming you are. If you are not checking any of those boxes, why are we together for any number of time, let alone eight years? But Shanice basically calls Buck a man child. And Tia says, I think he would make a good husband and father. And he's changed a lot since he's been here this week. And she's giving him copious compliments. But Buck is actually listening through the door and kind of put Tia up to saying these things. And so Shanice kind of suspects as much that Buck put Tia up to this. And then Tia tries to warn Buck not to stand so close to the door. And so Shanice kicks the door and he avoids it the first time, but then she kicks it again and he gets smacked with the door the second time for eavesdropping onto the conversation. So Buck sends the kids to bed, but the little ones follow him and, you know, him and Shanice talk about, you know, we should have had kids a long time ago, whatever, whatever. And Buck admits that doing the family thing actually wasn't so bad. So uh, the parents come back, y'all. It's almost the end of the movie and Cindy and Bob return back from Indianapolis. I'm assuming that Cindy's dad is on the mend and everyone in the house is being quiet so that Tia and her mom can have a moment to repair their relationship. Tia throughout this week has realized that she's been way too hard on her mom and that she actually needs to, you know, apologize and repair some things. So her mom Mom comes in and Tia looks at her and starts crying and they hug and they have a moment and the dad comes in to witness this beautiful moment and mom promises that things are going to be different from here on out okay so both of them are you know willing to work on things so Buck ruins this lovely moment by knocking down the hanging pots that are in the kitchen <laughs> and making a lot of noise so again still a screw up but just not as bad Buck and Shanice leave the house and Buck makes plans to get coffee with Tia so Tia has a new favorite uncle and a new attitude and so they wave goodbye and that is the end of the movie how, how cute is that such a good movie lots of fun laughs lots of good messages I always enjoy watching this movie and I actually hadn't seen it in a minute it was nice to get a refresher so that's the end of the film and at the end of every review we ask if a movie or show is worth a rewatch and if it still holds up for me the answer is yes to both of these questions Uncle Buck is really timeless for me like even though the technology in the movie and the style in the movie is obviously older and from the late 80s or early 90s the concept of the movie actually holds up well even by today's standards i think there were a few risque parts of the movie the whole little kids cursing <laughs> the sexualizing teenagers things buck does threaten violence against an underage boy quite often he actually assaults and kidnaps this teenager and even though it felt like it was deserved it is still it's still kidnapping and assaulting a teenage boy so <laughs> those things are not appropriate but besides those things the movie is pretty wholesome it's about redeeming yourself and growing up and being responsible learning to build trust you know especially with people who need second chances so I really love this movie I really really love the pancake scene it's probably one of my favorite scenes in all of cinematic history like I said before like love that scene overall this is a great movie to watch with people of all ages maybe inappropriate for kids that are like under 10 I think like now that I'm thinking about some of the things that are in the movie and despite having a few curse words I just love this movie it's just this is one of my faves so 
The critics over at Rotten Tomatoes gave Uncle Buck 62% while the regular folks gave it 77%. Now, for me, the critics are tripping and even the regular folks are tripping, okay? I really enjoy this movie and this is why I created my own podcast. Like there are movies that are great because of how they make you feel. When you walk away from the movie and the credits are rolling, how do you feel? What emotions do you have? And at the end of this movie, you walk away feeling like Uncle Buck redeemed himself and that he he grew up and that he's going to have a better relationship with his family and he's going to have a good relationship with his niece and he's going to be a good dad and he's going to go on to marry Shanice and they're going to have a family and you will walk away with like all of these good feels or whatever. So I think that, you know, rating sites like Rotten Tomatoes don't really take all of that into account. They're just so caught up in the cinematography and like the elements of the storyline or the lighting or all of that other stuff. And it just clouds your ability to be able to just enjoy the movie and like feel all of the emotions. So this movie is way better than what they had rated it. And you can trust my word, okay? <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Sub Media Reviews. Don't forget to tune in next time when I'll be doing a special original versus sequel episode where I review and compare Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.